This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of the district came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciple came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost ship of the house of Israel. But the women came and did Jesus' homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior of this world. He is the eternal Son of God who becomes a human being, who about 2,000 years ago enters into this very fallen, very sinful human race, and he brings ultimately through his death and resurrection the full power of God's life and love to this world. That's what salvation is. Salvation is what Jesus ultimately offers us through the Holy Spirit, the ability, if we choose to live in him, to find God, to find out how to truly love other people, to find integrity of ourselves, beginning now and ultimately becoming full eternally. Jesus is the savior of all of the world. After his death and resurrection, he sends his apostles out into the whole world to share the news of who he is with every single person on this planet, ideally. Salvation is for everybody, not a small number of people. During his public ministry, up to his death and resurrection, Jesus focuses his ministry almost all of the time just on his Jewish brothers and sisters. So ultimately, who he is goes out to all the world. But during his public ministry, he's mostly focused on interacting with Jewish people. By doing that, I presume, he affirms without any question that he is the Messiah whom God has been promising for generations will come through the Jewish people. He also, and apparently very important for some people in this country these days to wake up, he absolutely affirms the permanent value of all of our Jewish heritage. I mean, it's just so crazy in this country, this is totally parenthetical, that there are people who say they're Christian, who say or do anything that's anti-Semitic is absolutely the contradiction of Christianity, yes? Jesus makes that absolutely clear. So that's the background to this passage today. We're in the 15th chapter of Matthew. Jesus leaves Jewish Galilee and he travels into the region of Tyre and Sidon. Tyre and Sidon, at his time, are two cities north of Palestine on the Mediterranean coast. He encounters a woman with all of the issues about how 
Jesus' time and place treat and exclude women, who is described as a Canaanite woman. That's because that area is associated with the ancient people of Canaan who are not Jewish. So she's a Gentile woman. The woman pursues Jesus, and she says, Lord, son of David, have pity on me. My daughter is tormented by a demon. Jesus is at first silent, uh, silent with her. His disciples are annoyed with the woman, and they tell Jesus to send her away. She remains there. Jesus then says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, meaning the Jewish people. The woman remains there, and the woman does him homage. She says, Lord, have pity on me. She says, Lord, help me, excuse me, the second time. Jesus then gives a line, and he says, um, it is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. That's a derogatory term that many Jewish people at that time used to describe Gentiles, their dogs. Jesus says this to this woman. She then replies, Lord, please, Lord, the, even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the tables of their masters. And Jesus replies then to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the scripture writer says from that hour, her daughter is freed of the demon. You got the story? Very straightforward. Let me give you two reflections on this, the second of which is more important. First one is, I hope when you spend time with that, or even maybe just when you heard it right now, even if you've heard it many times before, I hope it prompts a question, why would Jesus use that harsh derogatory term with that woman? Jesus is God. He does not do anything that's ungodly. Why would he use an expression that is normally ungodly with this woman? And the answer to that question is, I don't know. Nobody knows the answer to that question. It's a question that people have speculated about. It's good to speculate about it. This is one of the long list of questions I hope one day to ask Jesus directly. But think about it this week. Just use your brain. It could be that Jesus is commenting on the ungodliness and the idolatry of the Gentile people. That could be true. I kind of doubt it, but it could logically be true. It could be, and many fathers of the church through the centuries have written, this is kind of what they think, that Jesus is trying to prompt the very deep response that does come from the woman. That really absolutely could be true. It also could be that Jesus, I think I can imagine doing this, is using the derogatory expression of hateful people who are around him so that they can hear themselves, and then he can make clear that he rejects that because of what he subsequently says to and does for the woman. I think it could be that that's what he's doing. So second big reflection, which is much more important, what Jesus ends up saying about that woman is her faith is great. Remember last week we were in Matthew 14. Peter is given the ability by Jesus to walk on water. Peter then pays attention to the strength of the wind and he sinks. Jesus starts to sink, Jesus saves him, and Jesus says to him, oh, you have little faith, why did you doubt? We talked about this last Sunday. That expression, little faith, is used a number of times by Jesus 
not in a critical way, not in a harsh way, to describe at the moment the faith of his disciples. Faith is our response to God. God offers us God's self, we respond. That's what faith is. Again, we talked about this last week. Peter at that time has little faith. All of Jesus' disciples have little faith. There's a lot of room for growth, and a lot of growth does come. To this woman, who is a Gentile, Jesus says, great is your faith. She is the one and only person in the entire Gospel of Matthew whose faith Jesus describes as great. And for all you Scripture people, look in Matthew 8, Jesus similarly praises, doesn't use the word great, the depth of the faith of a Roman centurion who respects Jesus' authority more than anyone that he's found in Israel. So great is your faith. What I invite you to do this week is take this passage, open it up each day, and simply get the details of what this woman says and does, every little detail, and spend time considering them. See if those details are alive in your life right now. If they are, blessed are you. Jesus describes someone with these qualities as having great faith. I hope it's you. If you recognize I really don't live this quality right now, you have in your hand a very direct area for growth. You don't have to be smart. You don't have to be deep. If you recognize something in this woman that you are not living now, that's where God invites you to grow. So, and you can do this as an individual. You can do it as a couple. You can do it as a family. You can do it as friends. I know a family in this parish who they do a competition for who can come up with the most qualities of this woman. So let me just give you a start. This woman loves her daughter in God. If you love your children in God, blessed are you. That's real faith. God gave you these children. If you love them in God, that's great faith. And if you're sitting here saying, Father Paul, every parent fundamentally loves his or her child, Every father fundamentally loves his son or daughter. Every mother fundamentally loves her daughter or child. I would say you are either naive, stupid, I mean really stupid, or one of those kinds of parents. If every parent in this city loved his or her children in God, I would have about 50% fewer appointments than I do every week. I would have a lot of vacation time. At the heart of the issues in this city, are parents who do not love their children in God. So if you're someone who does, blessed are you. The woman recognizes in her daughter the active reality of evil. A demon is tormenting her daughter. This is not your Dominican Aunt Juana who finds the devil under every bed and in every closet and in every bad conversation. This woman is right, it turns out. There is a demon active in her daughter. That's a big deal. That's mercy. She's giving her time to figure out what is going on inside of her daughter that is causing whatever all this trouble is. The woman does something about it. She doesn't just get on the phone and say, hey, my daughter is filled with evil, number one, because there are no phones, but she gets up and she does something about it. That is compassion. Think about this. She recognizes that only God 
has the ultimate power over evil. She gets up and she goes to a person, Jesus, whom she either thinks or hopes is alive in God to try to get that power to resolve the issue in her daughter's life. That's a big deal. She doesn't sit around just complaining about her daughter. She doesn't sit around bemoaning herself. If she does those things, in the end, what she does is she gets off her butt and she puts into action pursuing God. That is great faith. She's clearly a person of great faith because even as a foreigner, she has somehow heard that Jesus is an instrument of God. And she's done something with that. Not just like reading the paper, oh yeah, that might be. She's, that's grace has entered her mind and she has responded to it by recognizing maybe this is true. That is great faith. The woman goes to Jesus and she says to him, Lord, son of David, have pity on me. You can take almost every word of that sentence and see some real faith. She calls Jesus Lord three times in her encounter with him. You don't call someone Lord unless you're acknowledging that person as more of God than you. You don't casually call another human being Lord. Son of David, she's saying to a Jewish man in a time and a place where many Jewish people hate her because of her not being Jewish, she acknowledges the Judaism, son of David, have pity on me, doesn't ask for a healing, doesn't ask for anything very specific. She asks for pity, care about me, recognize the situation of my daughter, have pity on me. So think about this. It's tempting for all of us when we're looking for things from Jesus to be very specific, and we should be very specific. But are you limited to just what's specific? Are you comfortable putting, and many of you are, I'm looking at some of you, are you comfortable putting yourself with your needs in the presence of Jesus, acknowledging him as Lord with all the specific desires you have, and to trust him that he's Lord, to ask for his pity and see what he does. If she had just asked for a healing, she would have been wrong from the get-go. She gets much more than the healing. She's open to Jesus. You still awake? Thank you. Um, or maybe you just woke up. He have pity on me. Jesus is silent. And she stays there. She doesn't get a response. Is she comfortable? Is she uncomfortable? It does not matter one little bit. Those are her feelings. She thinks and she acts. She uses her brain. She does not insist that Jesus must speak or act on her timetable. She sits with the silence. If you are one of the many people in this community who are doing that in faith, great is your faith. And if you don't have that patience, grow in it. It's a choice. It's not a feeling. The disciples say to Jesus, tell her, send her away because she's calling out after us. She, number one, accepts that these people are not going, she, she doesn't allow them to deter her from Jesus. She also doesn't say the easy, ooh, I was about to swear again in church, a smart aleck response, hey, listen, you people, I'm not calling out after you, I'm calling out after him. She resists the easy, sarcastic response. Should I pay attention to this? I think I should. 
she focuses on Jesus. She doesn't call out these kind of dumb people at this moment. Or she's not calling out after them. She's calling out after Jesus. Jesus says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She remains. She doesn't have a wounded sense of pride, which would be misguided, it turns out. She doesn't say, oh, you've hurt my feelings. She doesn't say, but listen, I have human dignity. She remains. She accepts the mystery of what's going on. She waits for more from Jesus. That is great faith. She responds by doing him homage. She doesn't say, what do you mean, you? She does him homage, and she says, Lord, help me. She continues to offer herself to Jesus. Jesus then does the big line. It is not right to throw the food of the dogs, to, uh, children, to the dogs, to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. And here's again, the, I think it's probably the core of all this. She thinks. She accepts it. She does not reject what he says. If he is prompting her, she allows herself to be prompted. I don't know what her IQ is, but she uses her intelligence. She lets it sink in, and she comes back with one of the most memorable responses in the entire scripture. Even the dogs are able to eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Most Christians remember this woman because she's of great faith. It's amazing when you think about it. She lets God's grace enter her with her limitations and her strengths, and she responds with a line that I hope you'll remember for the rest of your life. Great is your faith. I want to be like that woman. I encourage you this week, I'm repeating and I will shut up, just take each detail. Take none of it for granted. Let me throw in one last one here. When she recognizes the, the presence of evil in her daughter's life, she does something to try to address the evil. These days, in this very upside-down society, many children, particularly when they're adults, and parents at first recognize that these children have embraced evil. Nine months later, those parents are leading advocacy groups for the evil, mostly because their children in one way or the other say, unless you not only accept me, but approve of this evil, you're a hater and I will leave you. I recognize in this parish, and I see several of you here, parents who live that experience and say to their children, I love you in God. I cannot embrace, let alone advocate, what I believe is not of God. I accept you, and I love you in God. If I do that, I would be turning away from God, and I'd be turning away from the promises I made to God and you when you were baptized. That is great faith, and we need a whole lot more of that in this country, in my exalted opinion. So please go back to the passage, look at every detail. There's so much in there, and our faith could be much greater next Sunday. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com 
or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.